I wonder if we can do that one more time. Can you lift your hands towards heaven? Come on, can you ask God to touch you? Come on, ask God to come down in this room. God, we love you. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, God, we haven't come just to spectate, God, but we've come to be a part. God, we've come to let the power of God move in our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good today. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. Amen. God is always good. Amen. I, I come from a background of construction. I owned my own company before we went on the road full time. And there were days that I was setting tile. That was my specialty was setting tile. And there were days, Brother Hood, that I would set a piece of tile and I'd look at it and say, man, the customer would never notice that. Man, that's just, it's, it's going to be good enough. And then I kept on going, and about four or five tiles later, I'm looking up at that corner, and I'm saying, man, they're not going to notice, but I know that it's there. And it's just, it's easy enough just to pop it off, cut another tile, and put it there, and do it right. Because anything worth doing is worth doing right. Can I tell you, living for God's worth doing right. Amen. Living for God is worth giving it all that you've got. Amen. Amen. And I want to I want to live for God the right way. I don't want to live for God just just out of following a set of rules and regulations. I don't want to live for God just so my pastor doesn't call me and get on to me. I don't want to live for God just to appease my flesh. But I want to live for God for him. I want I want to make him happy with my actions. I want to live in such a way and dress in such a way and talk in such a way that makes him pleased with me because the Bible says we were created for his good pleasure amen if we're not being a good pleasure to him we're not doing what God has created us to do we have been created for his good pleasure and I want to be pleasing unto the Lord amen I want I want my conversation to be pleasing I want I want the the way that I that a way that I walk and the way that I talk to be pleasing Amen. I just want to do everything I can to live for God the right way. Amen. My, my bishop who has gone on to meet the Lord, Elder Glenn Burgess, used to say this. He used to say, living for God easy is hard. And living for God hard is easy. It's really easy just to give God all you got. But if you ride the fence, the old farmer said... If you ride the fence too long, you're going to get splinters. Amen. I, I want to live for God right. I want to give Him my all. I don't want any skeletons in my closet. I don't want to live one way at church and one way outside the church. I don't want to live one way in front of my pastor and one way on Facebook. I want to live for God right. Amen. Amen. Well, we're, every time you come to a new place, Brother Hood, you know this. The people in the pews looking at you, trying to figure you out, and you're look, standing in the pulpit looking at them, trying to figure them out. Amen. Amen. I, but I've, I was born and raised in church. I'm thankful for that, that I had parents that were saved from this world. On my mother's side, I'm fourth generation. On my dad's side, I'm second. My dad was a drug dealer before he came to church, and God saved him out of that lifestyle and out of that world. And I'm thankful because of, because of God's saving hand. Amen. That I'm here today. 
And in my home church, I just decided, brotherhood, just to do everything that I could to bless the kingdom. If that meant being in Sunday school, I just jumped in. If that meant being youth pastor, I just jumped in. If that meant teaching homeless shelter Bible studies, I just jumped in. I just wanted to do everything I could for God. And when you put God first, God will God'll let everything unfold. Amen. He'll bring to pass His promises in your life. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. We're also going to be reading in chapter 14 of that same book. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. If you have it, say, thank you, Jesus. If you don't have it, say, help me, Jesus, or just look over your neighbor's Bible. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, For as he thinketh, this is talking about mankind, not just a, a man, uh, a masculine individual, but mankind. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. If you were to look at this word, thinketh, the word there is sha'ar, which means to reason, to split open, or to act as a gatekeeper. As I stand as a gatekeeper to my heart, and I'll open up and close the door, the gate, to things that I allow in and out, so will I become. That word heart is really talking about a deeper thing than just a blood-pumping vessel, but it is the word nefesh, which means simply the soul. As I am the gatekeeper to, to my soul, so will I be. What I allow in and out is what I'm going to become. Let's jump over to chapter 14 of that same book of Proverbs. I'm going to read in verse 12. We talked about us being a reasoner, a gatekeeper. And it says, For there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I've not come to preach a downhearted message. Don't get nervous. But I, I, I want to address the way that we think. And I want to title this message tonight, When Perception Becomes Reality. Or When the Way That I Think Becomes the Way That I Am. I wonder if you lay your Bibles down beside you. Could you lift your hands towards heaven? Can you ask God to bless you in the remainder of the service? God, we love you. We need you. God, we've come to this house, God, with a desire for the hundreds of people. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I pray that the move of the Holy Ghost would be in this house. God, that your spirit would reach down and touch us today. God, I pray you would help us to conquer our mind, conquer the flesh today. God, and let us be led by the Spirit of the Word of God, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for standing today. You may be seated. If you've been alive for any length of time, no doubt you've heard the argument of perception versus reality. As a youth pastor, I experienced this. I thought that, man, all the games were so stellar and and I thought that all the kids were going to love me and they're going to love the snack. 
and they were all going to pray through when I gave my Bible study. And that was my thought, but then reality hits me after, after youth group when two of them don't want to come back and their mother is upset at me. It's perception versus reality. In fact, they, they uh, in, in, a, in a barber shop, if you sit down in the chair, oftentimes they don't spin you towards the mirror, they spin you away from the mirror. And as they're cutting your hair, you have this image in mind, this is exactly what it's going to look like. It's going to be exactly what I explained to the barber that I wanted. And then they flip you around and your perception comes face to face with reality. As you look in the mirror and say, that is not what the doctor ordered for my haircut today. Have you ever been at a restaurant where you have ordered something to drink and maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your, your drink of choice is Coca-Cola. And you've ordered a Coca-Cola and... And the waitress notice that you have a, notices that you have an empty cup. And she brings a dark colored fluid in a glass to your table. And sits it down in front of you. And you go in to take that drink. Thinking in your mind and perceiving this is Coca-Cola. This is what I ordered. But then all of a sudden root beer smacks your taste buds. And reality checks you in that moment. You see, because perception is the lens that each of us perceives or views the world through our own mindset, through our own eyes. This is why we have different gospels that will write of the same thing, because it is viewed through a different mindset. It is the same gospel, just seen in different ways of life. There are many believe, that believe, but because of this, because perception is different from person to person, that reality itself must change from person to person. But I've come to come against that today and say reality is a fixed factor in the things of life, in the ways of life. Perception of that reality is a variable, but reality does not change. The soda in the glass does not change according to what we perceived that it was. It is simply reality. Reality does not change because who's in office? Reality does not change because of opinions by the media. Uh, but so many people's perception of reality is distort, distorted and is veiled lies and distorted truths and false narratives of this world. This is why the devil lies to us. Because he knows if he can affect the way that we think, if he can affect our perception, if he can get our perception skewed uh, of what reality really is, uh, he, can begin to, he can begin to affect our lives. One French philosopher said this. He says, I think, therefore I am. If you think about something, if you think you're a failure long enough, you're going to fail. Amen. If you think that you, uh, that you can overcome an obstacle long enough, you're going to overcome it. Amen. You can think your way into success in this world. Amen. The Bible, can I tell you, the Bible is reality. The Bible is not going to change. Your word of God is not just a truth. Everybody today is interested in their truth. No, there is not several different truths. There is one truth, and it is the word of God. It is the only truth. Amen. It is forever settled in heaven. Amen. This word does not change. In fact, he instructs through the word of God that you don't change one dot or one tittle in the word of God because it is so important. Every word in there is reality. And that's why we must hold tight to those things which we have heard. 
That's why we got to hold tight to preaching. That's why we got to hold tight to every message that we hear across this pulpit. Lest at any time our perception starts to get messed up and we let some things slip. We must hold tight to truths and the realities that do not change. Truths and realities like there is only one God. It doesn't matter what your perception of that reality is. It doesn't matter what your grandmother thinks, what your aunt thinks, what your uncle thinks. All that matters is it, is it, is it reality. Does, is it true? Is it in the word of God? Not only is there only one God, but that one God does not change. Oh, everybody in this world has their own pocket version of Jesus. Well, he understands me because I've gone through this and I've gone through that. And he's got a different set of rules for me. And he's got a different set of, 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 of standards of living for me because I've gone through this and that and the other. No, no, no. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, behold, I am the Lord and I change not. That means when I come to Jesus, I'm not expecting him to change to fit my problems. I'm not expecting him to change to fit my circumstance. I've got to change to fit his reality. I've got to change to fit what the word of God says. Amen. There's a reality we must hold tight to is that there is only one way to see the kingdom of God. Amen. We must be born again of water and of spirit if we're going to see and if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. I've got to be born again in water baptism in the name of Jesus because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That the name of Jesus, amen, has to be applied. His blood has to be applied in baptism. He said, uh, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for what? The remission of sins. If you don't apply the name of Jesus Christ, there's no remission of sins. Huh? Amen. I've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Oh, but I don't really believe that. That's, that's not my truth. That's not what I was taught. That's not, that's not how I view the word. Hey, I've got to hold tight to the truth of God's word. I've got to take him at his word. Amen. I've got to hold tight to the truth of God's word. Not only must I be baptized in the name of Jesus, but I've got to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said, unless you're born again of water and spirit. Hey, Nicodemus would have never come unless there were some things he was dealing with on the inside. Hey, you've got to repent first. You've got to turn away from some old ways of living. Understand that that's a first step. A lot of people try to rush people into the Holy Ghost, but they haven't repented yet. I've got to die out to some things. I've got to, once I die out to those things, I've got to get them washed away. Amen. If you come in from playing in your brand new school clothes, and you've jumped in the mud puddle 17 times, and you're covered from head to toe, you can come in to mama and say, mama, I'm sorry, but that doesn't change your condition. Mama, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, but the stain is still there. The mud is still attached until, until those things get washed. Can I tell you, you've got to repent, but once you, uh, once you repent, you've got to get those sins washed away. You've got to get the stain of filth of this world washed away. Amen, and I've got to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, they say, well, well, uh, tongues have ceased. 
Well, the Bible says in that same day in the tongues will cease, knowledge will cease. And there's all kinds of other things. Can I tell you, tongues haven't ceased. Amen. I, I just spoke in tongues last service. Tongues haven't ceased. You can tell me all you want. But the truth is, God's still pouring out his spirit. And how they knew they saw them infilled with the Holy Ghost, they saw them speak with other tongues. Amen. Another reality we must hold tight to is we must live a life of holiness. We must be separated from the world. Not so people can look down on you, but you're giving them an understanding. Hey, I don't dress like everybody else. I don't look like everybody else from this world. It makes the way that you dress and the way that you separate yourself from this world begs a, begs a response from somebody. Hey, what's different about you? There's something different about you. You're set apart. You're not like the rest of the world. You're not like my other coworkers. Amen. I've got to live a life of holiness. Not because pastor says to, but because the Bible says to. The Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Amen. I want to live in a world and show this dying world that there is a better life, that there is a better way of living. Amen. Another reality we must hold tight to when it seems like the position of having authority in your life is a byproduct of a bygone age. Having any type of authority, whether it be physical or spiritual, is something that our parents used to do. But I, I, I want to come against that today. You've got to have a man of God in your life. You've got to have authority. The Bible said uh, the centurion came uh, and he said, I have authority because I am under authority. If you're ever going uh, to have victories in your life, it's going to be through your headship. Uh, if, it's, if you're ever going to have spiritual uh, victories in your life, it's going to be by connecting to the man of God that God has given you. What happened when they held up Moses' hands? Joshua prevailed. But when they quit saying, Pastor, I'm with you, when they, quit, when they let his hands down, the enemy would prevail. Hey, can I tell you, it's time. It's time that we throw the old anti-authority uh, motif that is going on in this world out the window and say, hey, as for me and my house, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, we're going to follow the shepherd that God has placed over this flock. I don't know why I feel to say this, but you may say he's not my pastor. No, he's God's man. I like to say this. If you've got a problem with your man of God, you've got a problem with God himself. Because the Bible says, I will give you pastors after my own heart. Amen. I've got to tie in. Hey, if I'm going to have success in life, uh, it's going to be through my headship. Uh, if I'm going to have success in business, uh, it's going to be through my headship. Uh, if I'm going to have success in my marriage, uh, it's going to be by listening to the preaching uh, and listening to the counseling of my man of God. I don't mean to get hung up on this, but my pastor came to me at 20 years old. He said, are you tired of spinning your wheels and are you ready to do what God wants you to do? I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. He said, good, I have one requirement. He said, if you obey this requirement, he said, you will see all of your dreams and ministry come true. He didn't know for two years that I, before that 
At about 18, God started moving on me, and I felt like I was supposed to evangelize. I said, yes, sir. He said, that's it right there. So that's my only requirement. Brother Hoodie said, all you have to do is say, yes, sir. He called me a couple months later. And he said, you're your youth pastor. I went, I, words were wanting to come out, and I was shoving them back in. I went, yes, sir. I had people in my youth group that were my peers. People in my youth group, I was 20, that were 32 years old. I went, yes, sir. I just went ahead and did it. It took 10 years of me saying, yes, sir, and me finally learning to submit. And guess what? When I learned to submit, he came up to me and said, I think it's time for you to go on the field. I hadn't talked to him. Hey, he came up to me and said, I think it's time for you to evangelize. He said, I've made a phone call. You're going to South Carolina. I said, man, couldn't we got something a little closer to home? <laughs> but I want to tell you, your success is directly tied to your obedience to the man of God. Not because of who he is, not because of the man, but because of the office, because of the operation of God. Another one that's coming under attack that seems so simple that we should be able to hold tight to is there are only two genders. He created them man and female, male and female. There's only two. Doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what the media says. Doesn't matter what Disney says. It matters what this word of God says. This is truth. This is reality. Another reality is that we need to be at church every service. Hey, I understand there's vacations. I understand there's going out of town to see family. I understand, but can I tell you, the Bible says, this is a Bob's chapter 1 verse 2, but it says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. In other words, it says don't stay home, don't quit coming, but get to church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but then it gives even more. Even so much the more as you see the day approaching. Saints of God, if we need, if we ever need a church, it's today. If we need, hey, I'm not interested in going just to uh, minimal services every week. I need more church. Uh, I need more preaching. I need more of the Holy Ghost. I need more of being in his presence. I need more of fellowship with the people of God because this world is dark. This world is full of sin. It's, it's got to go beyond just couch potato Pentecost. It's got to go beyond just a screen. You've got to be in the house of God. But there are other truths and realities we must hold tight to. There are some, these ones we talked about seem to be so simple. Seem to be easy to grasp. But there are other ones that are harder to grab a hold of. Like Romans 8 and 14 that says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. I do not think it was an accident how the writer wrote this. But notice he said, 
you've received the spirit of adoption. We have some friends, and this is they say this, they've they've said this in jest. It's kind of a joke around their house. They had two, they have two older children. One's married, one's a, a young man, teenager. And the doctors told them they couldn't have any more children, so they went and they adopted a young lady. The young girl had a lot of medical problems, and because of this, they they babied her. And the older children, there was a about eight-year span between the little one and the oldest or the youngest of the two older children. And they would say, Mom, you need to spank her. Dad, you need to discipline her. And the little joke that was around their house was, hey, we didn't pick you guys. We picked her. Can I tell you, I wasn't forced to live for God, but God picked me. Out of all the people in this world that he could have filled with his spirit, he filled me with his spirit. Out of all the people that live in Carson City, I'm in the house of God tonight, and I'm filled with his spirit, and I'm blessed by the Lord, and I'm a son. I am a daughter of God. You see, we live so far beneath our potential. We let the devil lie to us, and uh, we walk out uh, of a service like this, and we believe, and we have faith. uh, But tomorrow we make a little slip-up and a little mistake, and we think a wrong thought. And the devil says, see, you're not a son of God. See, you're not a daughter of God. You're just an old sinner. And if we're not careful, he'll grab a hold of our perception and begin to twist it and begin to turn it. And we'll say, yeah, do you know what? I am a sinner. And guess what? It's really easy to sin. If you believe you're a sinner. But when you're a son of God. You see, if I, I, if I were to go off on a wild tangent, and I begin to, I don't know, let's just, maybe I begin to shoot a, a, a shopping mall up. Automatically, when they would arrest me and put me in a room, they would say, okay, we're going to evaluate some things. Let's start all the way back at your childhood. Let's see, how did your dad treat you? How were you disciplined? Were you? And they begin to dig into your father and your mother because you are a reflection of who your father is. When I understand I'm a child of God, I understand that I've got to reflect who he is. I can't act any old way I want to. I, I can't dress any old way I want to uh, because I'm a son of God. Uh, I, can't, I can't give uh, the waitress a piece of my mind. Uh, guess what? Some of us can't afford to give a piece away. But I, I've got to act in a way that shows forth the praises of him. I've got to act in such a way. That's why I don't allow certain things in my home because I'm a son of God. That's why I don't allow certain things in my closet, because I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Amen. I've I've got to show forth who he is. We understand that we're mighty through God. That if we're his children, the Bible says, and we're joint heirs with him. That means I can overcome my problem. That means I can have conquering power over sickness. That means I can, I can make it through any struggle I go through. Uh, that means that I don't have to take the tuck head in life, uh, but I can be blessed. Uh, I can be the head and not the tail. Amen. That I am a son of God. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm a chosen people. I am a royal priesthood. Uh, I am the light of God for my city.
Oh, yeah, you're the light of God for your city. That's why your, parent, your grandparents don't know you're a Christian. That's why your coworkers think that you just, they heard you tell that joke. And you see, the devil will twist it, and they'll turn it. And he'll get you to believe, well, maybe I'm not really a witness. Maybe I'm not really a light of God. See, because I messed up, and I tripped up. But if you believe you're a light of God that God has sent to your city, guess what? You're going to act like you believe it. You're going to start knocking on doors. You're going to start telling your coworkers about Jesus. Hey, if you could get your mind wrapped around who you are. I am a son of God. I am chosen. I'm not forced. I'm not made by mom and dad to come to church. I am chosen to be here. James chapter 1 verse 23 says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer also, he is likened to a man, beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man that he was. Oh, we always talk about this. We behold our natural face of sin. We we don't deal with the sin. We walk out and we we forget what the Holy Ghost was trying to show us. But can I talk about what I'm talking about tonight? We're a son of God. But if we're not careful, we'll walk out of a power charge service like this. uh, And we'll get out in the world and the devil will start lying to us. And we'll forget that we're a son of God. All problems of life begin with our perception. Every trouble of life begins with the way that we think. That guy cut me off on purpose. I don't know why it's always a red BMW for me. I just think my truck attracts red BMWs. That guy did it on purpose. And here you go in a road rage. You start to react to what you think reality is. Hey, it could have been he was looking down at his phone. He was grabbing a French fry from McDonald's off the floorboard because it had only been three seconds. He still got a couple seconds to get it and get it to his mouth before the five-second rule is broke. And he looks up and says, well, I can either run into the back of the semi-truck or there's just enough room that I can save my life. Oh, but he did it on purpose. And then all of a sudden, people start to react to that perception. And there's guns that come out. There's, there's, you start using your vehicle as a, as a deadly weapon. That lady sped, she sped up and passed me in the passing zone. And she got in front of me, and then she slowed down to five miles under the speed limit. In a no passing zone, she must know that I'm late to a doctor's appointment. She must know I'm late picking up my kids from school. She did it on purpose. Here's one for you. The pastor doesn't like me because he looked at me and laughed. That sounds totally insane, doesn't it? It took a man right off our front row. My pastor was talking to his mother, standing by the office door that was on the platform. She told him a joke. And as she told him the joke, his eyes were were skimming the congregation. And his eyes briefly lighted upon Brother Skip. And as she told him the joke, he laughed. And then he stepped into the office because he couldn't control his laughter. Brother Skip was the loudest one in the prayer room. Brother Skip was the amen man. Man, he would would shout your socks off. In fact, he took a pen and under the front row on that corner bench, he put this seat belongs to Skip. In fact, we had a youth rally. And there was a young man from a neighboring church. He said, hey, get up. That's my seat. 
He was bought in. But just a perception got a hold of him. Pretty soon he wasn't, he wasn't praying in service like he used to. But instead he had his hands folded. And he had a glare on his face. He wasn't sitting on that front row anymore. He went all the way to the back pew. Pretty soon he backslid. He went back to a life of crime that God had brought him out of. And he tried to rob a local bank in my hometown. And from jail, Brother Hood, he writes a letter, sends it to my pastor. I knew what you and your mom were saying when you went in your office to eat crumpets and drink tea. And he threatened his life from jail. All because of perception. All of a sudden it became his very reality that he lived in. The church doesn't love me. Because no one asked how I was doing today. Well, maybe they didn't have 30 minutes to hear you complain about how bad life is. There's some reality for you. God doesn't love me because he hasn't answered my prayers. You can see where perception, we begin to struggle with it. Can I tell you, if you're, if you're not careful, the devil will convince you and get you to check out of reality. Perception is such a powerful thing. In fact, one way of explaining this is false pregnancy is a symptom where women are begin to know, begin to feel the changes in their body that are associated with being pregnant. The abdomen begins to swell. Uh, uh, in some cases, as in others, ladies will actually begin to feel a moving fetus on the inside of them. This article said most of false pregnancies are purely psychological. In some cases, the doctor will misdiagnose a woman as being pregnant, and all of the changes will begin to happen in the body as if she were pregnant. That's why the devil lies to us. If he can get you to believe it, you'll become it. If he can get you to buy into it, you'll become it. That's why you've got to understand who you are. Don't be like Gideon. Gideon had a problem with his perception. He viewed himself as a failure. He viewed himself as a coward. He viewed himself as being afraid and not able to overcome. And the devil wants to keep some of us right there. He wants to label us. But God says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He was saying, me? He was looking for another guy named Gideon close by. Because surely God's not talking about me. Because his perception of who he was was so skewed. What about others' perceptions of who you are? Oh, but sister so-and-so thinks this about me, and if I go to the altar, brother so-and-so is going to say this. There's a struggle in how others perceive you. We let perceptions affect us so much. We get, to get, we get the selfie picture just right, and then edit it and filter it and send it through. Hey, we know that you don't have dog ears on your head. But after editing and filtering it, you meet that person and that person in person in, in reality, and they're two foot shorter, three foot wider, and they don't even look. They look 10 years older. We have to get all the likes and the thumbs up and the uplifting comments. We care more about how people perceive us. Well, they just think I'm successful. If I just dress in such a way, they think I have money. It doesn't matter, my bank account's negative. Instead of addressing the real issue. Can I tell you, truth 
will make you free. Reality doesn't matter to today's generation. This world is full of half-truths, lies, and deceptions. The news would rather depict the, re the perception of reality rather than actual reality. But David did not let how others perceived him to affect his decision. He didn't let him father, his father not even giving him the dignity of calling him in. Say, hey, where are your sons? We need an anointed king. Here's my, here's my sons. David didn't even call him in from the field. He didn't even get a comment or a like on his Instagram. He didn't, it didn't matter to him if all those in the Israeli army thought that he was unfit, that he was unworthy, that he was an outcast, that he was just a shepherd boy. I remember an old song growing up that said, when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. Don't let how other people... Because if David would have allowed what other people thought about him, we would not have a King David. He would have said, hey, if my dad thinks that about me, I'm not even going to walk into the, to the room to be anointed. I don't. We find perception problems all the way back at the beginning of mankind. Eve, the very first woman, sculpted by the hands of God. God did it perfectly. There's no flaws in God. But the serpent came in and said, Eve, you can be so much more. You're lacking some things, Eve. You can look better. You can be your own God. And he'll come to us in the same way. Why don't you partake of this fruit? Why don't you, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? See, out in the world, you can be so much more successful in your business. That's a lie from the devil. Hey, if you just work longer shifts, you'll make up the, the extra money. Why don't you just come to church and let God bless you? Why don't you give sacrificially in the offering and make sure you pay your tithes and just let God bless you? I'd rather do it his way. And he perceived herself as not being what God had created her, that she could be so much more and she partook of the fruit. Adam perceived himself as, hey, I don't have anybody now. I'm going to be lonely. And he partook of the fruit. But I like what Jesus did. He came as a second Adam. To fix what first Adam brought, veiled on. When the devil approaches him, he's met with somebody who knows exactly who he is. He said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down from the pinnacle of this temple and have the angels bear you up. He said, devil, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He said, all these things will I give to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. He said, devil, thou shalt not worship, or thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. He wasn't interested in him getting, to, uh, getting his perception messed up. Hey, when the devil begins to talk to you, a good way to talk back is grab your word of God. When the devil begins to lie to you, you see what the devil, I'm, I'm trying to hurry tonight. What the devil was trying to do was get Jesus to buy into false realities. He said, I'll give all these to you. He said, I'm God manifested flesh. I own all this anyways. I created this. The devil will come to us and get us to buy into false realities. Here it is. We were grasshoppers in our sight. Started with their perception. We're so much smaller than the giants. The people of that land are great and mighty. We're grasshoppers in our sight. 
so we were in their sight. They viewed themselves as grasshoppers, so that must mean they must view us as grasshoppers. If I don't think I can overcome, it must mean that I can't overcome. But when they get to Jericho, Rahab, a harlot, some of the, one of the least members of their society said, we've heard of you. We've heard of the God you serve. And the men in the city are shaking with fear. That's what they should have bought into. But they bought into a false reality. Gehazi could not see as the army was camped around about them. He perceived that the enemy, he perceived what the enemy wanted him to, but it was a false reality. The prophet said, God, open his eyes so that he may see. And he saw horses of chariots of fire. The angels of the Lord. Not, I've always heard it this way, and it's powerful either way, but not camped on the other side, but camped between them and their enemy. Can I tell you, God's not encompassing your enemy. God's encompassing you and keeping what's coming against you on the outside. Let me deal with Peter. I believe the, Peter, the reason Peter cursed and denied God was not because of frustration at the questioning. But I believe he was hurt. I believe the devil began to lie to him and say, look, see, he's leaving you all alone. Look, he's going to a cross. You might as well, you might as well go back fishing. That's exactly what he did. You might as well just go ahead and adopt the old cloak of the fisherman. In fact, you might as well just start cursing like the sailor you used to be. He bought into reality the, the perception. But the reality was this. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I know the enemy is going to try to lie to you. When, I, when you see me walking towards that cross and towards that sacrifice, he's going to whisper in your ear, but hold tight to some of these truths. Huh? Hold tight to what I say. I will not leave you comfortless. I am a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. I just want to tell someone today the devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the inventor of lies. He's the master of lies. It is a part of his nature. So if he talks to you, you just better, you better just believe it is a lie. You must understand, hey, if the devil's talking to me, it's a lie. In other words, if he says you can't make it, it means you can make it. If he says that you're worthless, it means that God loves you. If he says your pastor doesn't love you, it means your pastor loves you and is praying for you and wants to see you succeed. Let me deal with this one. What if he says you can't be healed? That means you can be healed. Because the Bible says by his stripes we are healed. But this is what happens. The devil begins to lie to us. See, you went up for prayer. Nothing happened. And you went up the next week and nothing happened. You've went up four weeks in a row and you still haven't been healed. You might as well give up. And we quit praying for it. The devil lies to us and says, your kids are in jail. They're hooked on drugs. They've cursed the church. They've said negative things about the pastor. No way they're coming back to church. And you quit praying for them. 
I believe the devil robs us from so many promises from God because he gets our perception messed up. But if we can just tie into reality, I know, I know it looks bad, devil. I know, I know it looks bad, but I serve a God that says he's by his stripes. I am healed. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, casting down imaginations. And everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How strongholds fall is you first got to cast down the imaginations. What does imagination mean? It means the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present nor ever before perceived in reality. I cast down the perceptions, the imaginations of the devil. And I bring my thoughts, because there's a way that seems right to a man. I bring my thoughts back into alignment with the realities of the Word of God and obedience to those realities. That's how strongholds fall. That's how sickness is taken care of. That's how backslidden children come back. It's when we quit buying in to the false realities of the enemy and we buy into the truth of God's Word. Amen. Someone come to the piano. Give these people some hope. The Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. It does not mean that the weak are strong. He said you are weak. But say you're strong. Because if you say you're strong enough, pretty soon you're going to start believing that you're strong. If you say that you're strong, it's going to make you walk into the house of God without your head down. It's going to make you walk in with your shoulders squared saying, I'm strong in God. I'm mighty through Christ. I'm mighty through him. Acts 2 and 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise. Who's it for? Unto you. Still not convinced? Unto your children. Still not yet grabbing hold? Even as uh, unto those that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That encompasses every single person in this room. The Holy Ghost is a promise for you. You say the Holy Ghost isn't for me. That's perception talking. The promise is unto you. The Holy Ghost is a gift, but not a necessity for salvation. That's perception talking. Because he told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again of water and spirit. That's reality. I can come to church and worship however I want. That's perception. I can come in and just go through the routine. No big deal. That's what Esau thought. I can just offer God these old rotten vegetables. I can give God whatever I want. What about what he desires? What about, he says, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands. What about pray without ceasing? What about enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise? What about clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph? What about praise him in the dance? Oh, no, that's for sister so-and-so. That's for... Well, what else do you want to take out of the Bible? We'll rip 150, Psalm 150 out. What else do you want to rip out? Because that's just as much Bible. As Acts 2.38. All scripture is given by God. 
We don't, we don't shout on Sunday mornings, Brother Bob. Is that you know we're Pentecostal? That's perception. We don't shout on midweek. That's Bible study night. That's perception. That's tradition talking. But the reality is we are Pentecostal. And we move when he moves and how he moves. Quit letting your perception keep you held back from victory. It's where you can only get victory every once in a while on a Sunday night. Oh, Sunday night's our Holy Ghost service. Why not every service be our Holy Ghost service? He's the same God. He's still all-powerful. He's just as powerful on Sunday night as he is on midweek service. He's just as powerful as he is on Sunday night as in Sunday school class. He is all-powerful. Quit living with your head down. You're a child of God. So act like it. Live like it. Believe like it. The Bible says, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Our perception tells us only few. I hope this catches tonight. I hear it, Brother Hood. Been on the road four years, full time. Preached out pretty often before that. Been preaching out for about five and a half years. Been raised in church. I don't know how many times I've heard. Man, it would be awesome if we had one receive the Holy Ghost. And I go, your perception just limited you to one. He can save by many or by few. Now, I'm, I know this is, this is going to cross swords with your perception right now. Why not, instead of just one family in a year, why not 30 families? Why not, hey, we had 10 people, and thank God for the 10. We had 10 people go, get the Holy Ghost this year. Why not 200? Oh, Brother Boggs, you don't understand. I can hear perception already talking to you. Brother Boggs, you don't understand. It's 2021. People don't really want God. Everybody's saved. You don't understand the environment we live in. You don't understand the, the nuances of Carson City. I've come to tell you the devil's a liar. Don't settle for the few. But start believing God for exceeding abundantly above. That's what it says. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Although we can ask or think. He is able. But it only happens according to the power that works in us. What's that power? What has God put in us? To every man is given the measure of faith. I've got to start believing in exceeding abundantly. I'm tired of small church mentality. We don't serve a small God. We serve a great God. I, I, I like what one preacher said. It's stinking thinking. We... we too long we have gone believing in just the few. We need to start believing God for the many. I believe if someone in this house could get your perception fixed, you could see the answer to your prayers and your problems. Brother Boggs, you don't understand. I'm bound. Oh, really? Who has you bound? The devil. No. 
he led captivity captive. If Christ has made you free, you're free indeed. But the enemy will get you to buy into a false prison cell. A cell that's made out of a mirage. But you hold the key to your hand to victory. God has already brought you freedom. So the reason you're bound today is not because the devil has you bound. It's because you're not believing that you're free. The problem is that your perception says he's not able to. Daniel 1 and 8 says, I'm, I'm hurrying. He purposed in his heart not to eat the king's meat. you got a purpose in your heart that you're going to make it. No matter what the circumstance says, I'm going to make it. I'm going to overcome. I wonder if we can stand today. You say, well, I don't, I don't think I can get the Holy Ghost. Come on, God's promised it to you. I don't, I, just, I don't really know if I can be healed. God's already promised it to you. I don't know if we can have revival. God's already promised it to you. Let me just sneak this in here just in case I never get to preach here again. Revival is simply this. It is bringing to life something that was once alive. Revival is not an influx of souls. An influx of souls is a byproduct of revival, and that is harvest. But revival starts with you and me. We were once alive. We used to run the aisles. We used to dance. And revival is bringing back to life something that was once alive. Amen. Quit, quit buying into the perception that revival is something that's dropped in our lap and only God can give it. No, it's, it's, it comes from us coming alive once again. Us going back on outreach like we did. Us telling people about Jesus like we used to. Us backing up the pastor like we used to. And if we start reviving, if we start getting a church that's alive, guess what? Healthy mothers have children. Healthy churches, lively churches have children. It's time for us to buy into reality. And quit trying to filter God through the time and the generation we live in. Just take him at his word. Just believe. Believe him for what he said. Today I wonder if there's anybody that says, hey, I've been struggling with some stuff. Hey, I've got problems. Hey, I don't have salvation. I don't have the Holy Ghost tonight. Hey, I've been, I've been locked into the same old way of coming to church for years and years. Tonight would be a good night to get a mind alteration. Get your perception skewed back to in alignment with the Word of God. As they begin to sing and play, I wonder if we can make our way to this altar. Can we join together in just a few moments of saying, God, work on me. God, help me. God, move in my life today. God, help my mind today, Jesus. Oh, come on. Can we lift our voice? Come on, the devil. The devil wants to say, oh, it's just a Wednesday night altar call. You don't have to get too loud. You don't have to get too exuberant. Come on, why don't we buy in? God, I need you. Come on, church family. Come on, we can see what God has promised. Hallelujah. They 
say this mountain can't be moved. Hallelujah. They say this chance will never break. Oh, come on, you can see it today. But they don't come on, you can see it. Come on, get your mind there is power in alignment with reality.
conviction to come in alignment with his truth. Come on. In the name of Jesus, let's push in the Holy Ghost. It is done. You say, I believe. You say. Come on, that's it, church. Let's pray for a moment longer. Amen. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Amen. The Lord is speaking to us. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, church, I, I really feel like God's, we've talked about it, but this is a very special season. Amen. Thank you, Brother Box, for letting God use you. You may not even know how much God let him, you, you, get, you let God use you, but, amen, you're, there's the last several evangelists have talked to us about our perception. Now, they didn't use that exact word. Amen. Seeing God, seeing, seeing the church the way God sees it, seeing our potential the way God sees it. Anybody remember? Amen. So, obviously, God is trying to get a hold of us. Amen. Which, which lets us know there's more. Amen. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. And if there's more. Don't live for less. 
Amen? If there's more available to us, let's not settle for less, church. If there is more in God, let's go after it. If there's more in your marriage, go after it. If there's more in your business, amen, go after it. If there's more in your children, go after it, amen. If there's more, let's just pursue it. Let's run after it, amen. Uh, here's the deal about reality. It just is. Gravity's a reality. If you don't believe it, jump off a cliff into water. <laughs> Qualifier, into water. Man, you'll find out real quick. It's a reality, even if you don't feel like it is. Amen. I love what he said. We believe in the oneness of God. We believe in all these other things. Those are things that we, oh, yeah, that's truth. That's truth. That's truth. That's truth. The Bible talks about people being given over to a strong delusion. You know why? Because they had not a love for the truth. And I've heard so many people say, well, they didn't believe Acts 2.38, so they went off into a delusion. Yeah, that's true. But I've also seen people not believe the truth that God spoke over their life and they go off into a strong delusion. Amen. I've seen people, uh, we, it's, it's a common theme. He talked about it today. But I believe I'm a woman. Look in the mirror. Sir, you're not a woman. <laughs> well, you need to use my pronouns. I will, sir. Uh, <laughs> Ma'am, whatever it is, praise God. You need to realize that the reality never changed, even if you maybe felt different. I had somebody I was doing a Bible study with, and they told me that, that you know, they believed that they were a different gender. And we're not trying to bash. Please understand. I said, we dis I just discovered it with my friends this week. And I thought, well, uh, you know, it's you and your friends can discover you're a penguin. That's fine. You can be a penguin. I'm not trying to be rude, but I want to let you know the reality, what God has made you to be. And just as much as those are all realities, God has a plan for your life. Hallelujah. And that plan for your life does not change depending on how you feel today about that plan for your life. Come on. And there are people all across this building, you have heard and I have heard preacher after preacher after preacher prophesy over you and over your family and over this church. Amen. What is that? What is God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us what reality is. Amen. He's showing us our image. Amen. In that mirror, he's letting us know of what God is really. I want to tell you, we're not the church on the other side of the tracks. Amen. I want to tell you that we are the dominant force in this city and we well, I don't see it yet. Well, the Bible talks about, amen, that, that we walk by faith and not by sight. You know what the opposite of faith is? It's not fear. It's observation. Or better yet, as you preach, perception of observation. When I see and I look around, it's not lining up. Man, I don't know how it's possible. you got to come into alignment and say, God, help me to come in alignment. And, Lord, it's going to take a lot of faith. Amen. Not just, it, it, it took some faith for you to believe in the oneness of God. Amen. It's going to take just that much faith to believe in yourself, to believe that God has called you, amen, out of darkness into his marvelous light, not just to sit on a pew, but God has put a plan in your life. That's reality. That's reality. What are you doing when you come to the altar? I'm lifting up my hands and saying, God, touch my mind and help me to see the reality the way that you see it. Help me to see my potential. Help me to see the church. Help me to see what you got going in my life and in my family i want us to lift up our hands one more time and let's pray all across this house amen there is a potential amen that is latent within each and every one of us here tonight and god is speaking it to you 
Come on, God is speaking the word, and the worlds are being framed by that word. God is speaking the word, and your potential is becoming kinetic. It's becoming reality. Amen. That anointing is not just in the future, but it is latent within you. And if you would activate it right now and come in alignment right now, God would help you to see the potential come to reality. Somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray every promise that you have ever prophesied to this church that it would come to pass. God, I pray for every prophecy that you've ever made on these families and on these saints of God and on this house, God, that we would come into alignment before that day shows up and it happens, that we would see through the eyes of faith and we start walking towards it and believing what you said, not what the doctor says, what you said, not what our current circumstance says, what you said, not what our observation or perception says. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray. Come on, let's tap in for just a moment. Come on, let's tap in for just a moment. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for another man of God that has come by, amen, and has put this into our bones as a church. I pray, God, help us to walk out of this building, not forgetting what we've heard, not forgetting what, we, what you spoke to us, but, God, walking out in the reality of what you have spoken to us and to start coming into alignment with what you have said. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. Shake hands. Be friendly. It's good to have the Martinez family back in the house of the Lord. Amen. With the little baby with them in Jesus' name. Shake hands. Love one another. Don't forget youth service this Friday night at 6.30 p.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time. Amen. And be inviting people. We got outreach on Saturday at 11 a.m. We're going to be passing out flyers to our neighbors to invite them to come celebrate the resurrection. God bless you in Jesus' name.